Come be a part of the Tea Party with your host, Dr. Ed Holliday. Hear the voices of liberty speaking all across America. Doc Holliday provides thought-provoking interviews and commentary about the issues and actions that are afflicting this country and what we need to do to get America back on track. Get fired up. Get inspired. Get on board Doc Holliday's Tea Party right now. It's only a click away. Hey, come on in. Now, I've been waiting for you. And this is Doc Holliday's Tea Party. Welcome to another week. And it's good to have you here. You have become a good friend of mine. And I appreciate you. And tonight, we have a show that I think is unlike any show that is on any other uh, radio station anywhere. So... Uh, sit back and let me tell you that we're going to hit some news pretty quick. Uh, all kind of news we can go over, but let me hit a couple of good things and items for you. Then we got a special guest that's going to tell us uh, jobs is not the answer. He's got a better answer than where are the jobs. He tells you how to get the jobs. His name is John Westberg, and uh, he's got a uh, from the New Hope for America. And that's a project he has that um, that we're going to find out about. So you do not want to uh, turn this show off after the news. I tell you that. And then after John Westberg speaks with us, we have a good interview that's going to be lined up. And, and I know what he has to say is going to uh, be something you hadn't heard before because I had never heard it before. So we're going to get him on the line here in just a few minutes. And, and then we have the... Plymouth Rock of Liberty speech. Last couple of weeks, we've uh, done a little special on the show, but we're getting back to the R Plymouth Rock of Liberty speech. Don't want to miss it tonight. I get, a, I'm got some things I've put jotted down, and and I tell you what, gets me fired up when I even think about it. So we're gonna get right to the news right here. And out of all the news, there's something I want to tell you because we got some great listeners up there in New York, and I need to tell you about. This is out of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it says, is there an upset in the making in New York? Hey, I saw that. Did you hear what I just said? Is there an upset in the making in New York? And let's see what uh, the Wall Street Journal had to say. It says, New York's uh, Kirsten Gillibrand doesn't appear on list of endangered Democratic Senate incumbents. But as an appointed senator who has never faced a statewide electorate, she still has reason to look over her shoulder. Despite having held office for 18 months, the latest uh, Quinnipiac gives her no, no more than 45% of the vote against any of the three possible GOP opponents. And... Uh, we're we're going we're finding out about that GOP opponent, the name recognition. We're going to see what happens. Can you believe that the Senate could swing all the way to the Republican? Uh, I'm telling you, this is an election year unlike any other. So anybody got any connections in New York? Got friends in New York? Tell them to get this thing heated up. Tell the Tea Party to pour some tea in the great state of New York. I tell you what. Uh, we had Senator Scott Brown shock the nation in Massachusetts. Uh, it's time for New York to become another shocker on November 2nd. So uh, I think that's very interesting. One of the things that 
It pointed out, it said, whoever wins the GOP nomination will be at a clear disadvantage in financing and campaign infrastructure against Senator Gillibrand. But she's on the wrong side of key issues for many voters, including me, including everybody that's in the Tea Party, I believe, just last week claiming she has no regrets about her support of the TARP bailout of financial institutions in 2008. And it said, given the Monahan experience in 1994, she might need all the millions she has in a bank to fend off an angry electric. I tell you what, it's time to say money doesn't matter. It's time to stand on principle, tell your friends in New York, get on the bandwagon, bandwagon of the Tea Party folks, and let's get this Senator Gillibrand just just. Dump her on November 2nd. It's time for a new senator in New York, for a new day, for a, a new government. We need a new Congress. So, uh, people in New York, you got your work cut out for you, but let's get on with it. Uh, another thing, this is one of the scariest things that I have uh, I've read. It, it's something we knew that was in the health care law. That is law. It's law now. And, uh, again, Wall Street Journal uh, on September 13th, came out says, Sibelius has a list, political thuggery from the HHS, Health and Human Services. Um, had a quote said, As a consequence of us getting 30 million additional people health care at the margins, that's going to increase our cost. We know that. That said President Obama. He said at his press conference Friday in response to a question about rising health spending. And then the article says that wasn't how he sold the plan. But anyway, that's a truism. And here's another quote. The White House has, was always going to blame insurance companies for any cost increases, even when its own policies cause them. We hear now all the things about go out, and if you've never been able to get insurance, you can now. Uh, you can put your uh, child up to age I think 26 or higher on that, no matter what. Uh all these things, all of a sudden, these are freebies, quote, freebies given to you by the new health care law. And now, Sibelius is, is said, she says, uh, well, let's just see what she says. Um, she warned, quote, there will be zero tolerance for this type of misinformation and unjustified rate increases, unquote. Does she think she's in the Kremlin? Is this the Red Square? Or is this the United States of America? I'm telling you, you better get fired up about November 2nd. We got people who wants to tell us what to do, wants to tell businesses what they can do, and then all of a sudden they're going to take it over because they say the business can't run it when they know the plan was made to fail to begin with. And this is just the beginning. I tell you what, I... I think I got smoke coming out of my ears. Good gracious alive, a place that I don't want to go, and it's not a place made for America. Um, this is how the Wall Street Journal finishes the article. Let me quote the journal. It said, This is nasty stuff and an obvious attempt to shift political blame for rising insurance costs before the election. It's also an early sign of life under Obamacare. When all health care decisions are political, and the bureaucrats decide who can charge how much for a service or product. Democrats built this system, and they now own it politically. The least they could do is take credit for its consequences. My goodness. 
We are living in an America I never thought, I never dreamed we'd live in. Obamacare is, is like putting on uh, restraints on freedom. We're being bolted down to a board, and our feet are being tied, our hands are behind our back, and we're about to be gagged. I tell you what, if we don't wake up on November 2nd, uh, that's you. And you and your friends and neighbors, you've got to knock on the doors, you've got to send out the letters, you've got to say, we have got to go vote. Because if we don't throw Nancy Pelosi out and Harry Reid out, I tell you, there's going to be no stopping this, this uh, mass mania to government control and take over. And you get people of dictatorial powers in the health and human services. And who's calling the shots? We the people are. And in, I'm fired up. You need to get fired up. And tell people to listen to Doc Holliday's radio show or go to my website at www.teaparty.ms. You can go there and look at the book called Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to, to, to Today's Tea Party Revolution. We have got some uh, things in that book that you need to read about. And uh, so go online and pick it out. Hey, you can go to, if you like Amazon, go to Amazon.com, look under Walk With Me, type in Walk With Me with Dr. Holliday. And you'll get that. You can get the book, read about it, and uh, and order that thing. We need to get this message out across the nation that we got we got something that can be powerful powerful for America if we can wake up the American citizen from Alaska to Florida, from Hawaii to Maine, and all points in between. We can turn this country around on one day, on November second. And we got to do it. Patriots, it's time to be like Paul Revere. Get on that horse and ride. Get on that horse and ride. And that's we're getting ready for a telephone interview. And I want to tell you about, there's a man named uh, John Westberg. And I talked with John uh, three or four months ago at a meeting of conservatives. And John had an interesting idea. At first I thought, now this doesn't sound like a conservative idea. But, you know, we got to have jobs in America. But he told me something that uh, helped me think in a different direction. And I think you'll find out what that is. So John is uh, out of, he's retired now. But he manufactured for over 30 years. And he knows how to how to run a business he knows how to get the parts he knows how to put them together and he has a track record it's not just somebody in ivory tower so he's got some great things to tell us about and let's uh let's listen to what john has to say uh, well welcome to doc holiday's tea party we got online john westberg john how are you doing tonight very good Ed. good to be with you on your program well i'm glad you're here uh a few months ago uh i ran into John, in a meeting of uh, conservatives in Washington, D.C., and he had a real convincing idea, something I've never heard before. And since that time, I have been, with the elections coming around on November 2nd, everywhere I go in the country and everybody I speak to, and many of you have heard the different candidates we've had on a Doc Holliday's Tea Party, but the number one concern all over America is jobs. Jobs, jobs, jobs. And the question is, where are the jobs? $800 billion we've spent, and, and unemployment is going up. So, uh, John, uh, where are the jobs? Well, you know, uh, Ed, you mentioned about the uh, $800 billion, you know, the stimulus pack. Right. I think they may have spent like 
just over 500 billion so far, and uh, we don't seem to be getting any jobs. But uh, if you look and you think about uh, where money is spent, you know, all these people that are getting the stimulus money, uh, they don't stick it under the mattress at home. They're out spending it for for their living, and naturally, when the stores sell them the products that they're buying, uh, the stores need to reorder to restock the shelves. And so the question is, who is it that is making those products that are going to go back on the shelves? Now, that's a good question. Who's making the products? Uh, do you have an answer for that? I think all well, Americans know, but tell us what the answer yeah, is, John. Well, you know, everybody knows. You go to the store, you've got to look far and wide to find a made-in-USA product. You know, everything is marked uh, China or wherever, Korea. And, uh, and that's where the jobs are. Uh, if, if the orders were going to the manufacturers in the U.S. Uh, to restock the shelves of the stores, there'd be millions of jobs here. And uh, so if you really think about it, um, to keep it very simple, uh, if your listeners could just imagine that they own a manufacturing company and uh, ask themselves, how many people would they hire if they never got any orders? Well, now that, that question right there is something that uh, I'm asking as a small business person, and I know people in, in my audience all over America, they are asking the question, you know, how can we create jobs if we're not getting orders? So what, how, how do you answer that, John? Uh, the, the secret, uh, I mean, the real question here is not uh, where are the jobs and how do we get the jobs back, but the real question is why is it that the manufacturers of America don't receive the orders from the retailers of America? And if we could get the orders going back to the manufacturers of America, we'd have millions of jobs. And so we really, you know, we need to attack the real problem, uh, which is the loss of orders in American manufacturing. Uh, and we solve that problem, there'd be millions of jobs. Well, that's, uh, I know that's where you have worked on this, and you got some extensive work, and uh, you do have a website. And, uh, uh, what's the name of your website for our listeners? They can go uh, check this out. Uh, the website is madeinamericaproject.com. And I encourage our listeners to go there because John is, uh, is, is, you're not some person in an ivory tower that's been looking at books. You're someone that's started your business when I think you told me you had like 25 employees, 30 years later, 600. And, um, over 600, and, and you were manufacturing. You were making things. And so you, you've spent years in manufacturing, and you know how to make a payroll. You know how to go and look for uh, the best product and put out the best thing you know, for excellence for your customer. So using that expertise, what have you found out, John? Well, um, we did some uh, research over at Northern Illinois University, in the business school library, uh, just looking to see what Japan had done after World War II when they were pretty much destroyed and we were the powerhouse of the world. And, you know, those guys, they get a lot of things figured out and they don't tell us. (laughs) And so we we were over there did a lot of reading in the history books and we found out what Japan had done and uh, actually we could do, we could simplify it and do basically the same thing and we could get the orders back here into mm-hmm. American manufacturing. We could still have trade, and uh, we could unilaterally eliminate all tariffs. You know, because today you hear people concerned about jobs and trying to get the 
the orders back to American manufacturers, and they talk about protection. You know, we need tariffs, but actually tariffs don't work. Well, you know, you talk about tariffs, and then and that scares everybody because all of a sudden you, uh, you you think about in the Great Depression, and then and then America did throw up tariffs, and then yep. make and then you wind up with tariff wars, you know, and, and everybody loses. And but if you think about the need to get orders back to American manufacturers, uh, if you put tariffs on, uh, that's not going to change who does the importing. The same people who are importing today could continue importing. They would just have to start paying the tariff, but there still would not be any orders coming to the manufacturers of America. So the question is, uh, how how do you get the manufacturers' uh, orders? Well, uh, just one quick one to, while we're on the tariff subject. With uh -huh. this new concept that we have, uh, our country could unilaterally eliminate all tariffs on everything that comes into America. And, uh, you know, we would set a good example to our trading partners saying that, you know, we'd like you guys to eliminate your tariffs, but we're going to do the whole thing. So Literally, all tariffs are gone. And so, John, you're telling me in the United States of America, the Congress should say we can unilaterally say we're getting rid of all tariffs. We encourage others to, to do that, but you don't have to. We're just going to get rid of ours. That's that, right. That sounds crazy. It sounds like we would be a big loser. Well, it does, but... Uh, basically, if we look at the problem uh, from the point of view of orders and not jobs, um, we, what we find is that uh, the reason that we aren't getting the orders to the U.S. manufacturers is that our costs are a lot higher because of the labor cost. Naturally, you know, regulations and uh, taxes and all that has some effect, but the major difference is in the cost of labor. And what we made in my company, I'm retired from that, but what we made for $100, making $5 profit if we're lucky, uh -huh. we call that on a minimum margin basis. You know, we've been kind of pressed down to minimum profit and just barely making it. If that same product was to be made in China on the same minimum profit basis, they could land it here for $15. Well, ours is 100. So that's a huge, huge difference. And of course, I, they don't sell it for that. They probably sell it for about 60. Uh -huh. And they make a ton of money that they can plow into new product development and that kind of thing, just blowing us away. Right. And so what's happening, uh, because of free trade, U.S. business is permitted to import the kind of products they don't make. Now, <clears throat> you know, Walmart doesn't make anything, and they import a lot of what they sell along with Lowe's and all the rest of them. Right. And then at the same time, what people don't really see, uh, you know, my company made a final product that was sold in the stores, and we had a couple hundred suppliers. We had thousands of parts. And the only way we could keep our jobs in America was they call it outsourcing. We started buying our parts from Asia and kind of putting our U.S. parts guys out of business. And you, it wasn't only you. I mean, it's everybody in America. That's what happened. You, you have to do it to, to survive. Otherwise, you just close down, and you lose all your jobs. And so we're all busy importing the kind of things we don't make, putting our U.S. suppliers out of business. Well, that points us right to what Japan did, the, the essence of what they did after World War II. Right. And that would be a trade policy that says that U.S. business can only import the kind of products they do make. So, and so uh, if we take, like, mm -hmm. steel, today 
anybody can import steel as long as you pay the bill. And, and so companies that use steel to make their products import a lot of steel. Right. And that, that puts the U.S. steel makers in trouble. You know, and, they shrink and shrink. And, and if, uh, now you're telling me this is what Japan did right after World War II. They pretty right. much said. Yeah, if, uh, if I had wanted to export to Japan, uh, we were in the automotive uh, aftermarket, like it, you know, our parts would be sold at AutoZone and Advanced Auto. Uh-huh. Uh, if I wanted to export to Japan after World War II, I could not export to the auto zones of Japan. You know, I would have to export only to a manufacturer of the same kind of product that I was making. Uh-huh. I would have to sell it to a, a similar manufacturer in Japan. Of course, they were probably bombed out in a tough shape and trying to get going again. Uh, if I had been able to sell right into the retail you know, like AutoZone of Japan or whatever they call it, and we got good quality products and, and we're selling it into retail, uh, the Japanese manufacturer could never get started. Because they, right. They never would have got their feet on the ground to build anything. Right, because, you know, us older people, we remember how the rotten quality from Japan, of course now it's very, very good, but mm-hmm. back then they were making kind of crummy stuff, and the stores in Japan would say, you know, here, we're getting this great stuff from America. We can't sell your junk made in Japan. You know, and they never could have got started. But by us being required to ship and, you know, export through the Japanese manufacturer, uh, they had a flow of finished goods that they could sell and start making money to give them the money to buy the machines and all that. Now, so let not, me, you know, let me John, kind of, stop you right, right there. You're telling me, John, that uh, the, what Japan did was... They, if you, if an American company want to sell something to Japan, they would have to sell it to the manufacturer. That's right. So, and then and that that helped that manufacturer by staying in business because they they uh, imported some American things, but they made their own also. Right. And so, what we would do here uh, with this concept, I was saying, where a new trade policy where foreign imports are the they say the only businesses uh, that could import. You know, our businesses make that same product. So, uh-huh. you know, I look at my company, we made a final product, uh, and I could import that same kind of product, but I couldn't import the parts that I needed, that I have been importing. Uh-huh. I have to go back to my former U.S. suppliers, and they could import those kind of parts. You know, like we bought meters and we bought switches, and I go back to the U.S. meter maker, and he could become the importer. So, uh, So if you needed the meters... If you implemented your policy, what you're talking about, if you needed meters, you couldn't just get them all from Japan or China. You'd have to you'd have to order them from the American manufacturer. And right, and now he's back in the game instead of being left out. Today, mm-hmm. American manufacturers are being left out, and the the working people lose their job. You know, when when your company, wherever you may be working, your listeners, uh, your company loses orders, there's going to be layoffs. And if your company gets a lot of orders, they'll be rehiring. And so the orders are the name of the game, and jobs kind of tag along. Well, that's, that's uh, so now we've learned something. That, you know, it's not saying, hey, create jobs, like uh, President Obama saying, here, here's a tax break, create me jobs. Uh, I'm going right. to put all these regulations on you. But, but what you're saying is, don't worry about the jobs, just create orders. Right, bring the orders back, and so... This concept, you know, everything from clothespins to computers. If you wanted to import clothespins, uh, 
you'd have to start making clothespins. And this is all free market. Uh, and so that, like Walmart, if they don't make anything, they couldn't bring anything in. But it's a free market. Walmart could take their top ten items, and they could start ten different manufacturing companies. And and starting that wouldn't mean it'd have to be American-owned. I mean, it could be Japan coming over here, but they'd have to set up a plant here to hire workers in America. Right. And, and everybody is free to start manufacturing, you know, even Lowe's or Walmart or whoever. Uh, they can start making whatever products they want, and then they import the same as any other manufacturer. Now, there's a little additional thing that's critical here. Uh, competition would force every manufacturer to become 100% import, and uh, we haven't gained anything. And so what we do, we look at each type of product, like steel or whatever, or refrigerators, and, and we ask ourselves, and the Chamber Department of Commerce would know these things, what percentage of that market is imported today versus domestic? And um, last I checked, steel was like about 62% import. Right. Uh-huh. And let's say, I'm just guessing, refrigerators could maybe be 25%. because we know that you know appliance companies are shutting down and the import percentage is going up. So what we do is we freeze the import percent for each type of product at the percentage it's at today. Right. And that's called the quota. And quotas have always been so much, you know, coming in the country at the border. But when you do that, it's, it's a race to see who can buy up more of the quota than your competitors, so you'll be cheaper priced and you'll beat them. And then you have to wait till next year for the next quota. And so we make this quota on a per-company basis. So every company that makes refrigerators can import up to 25% of their own sales. So that way you don't get all the politicians involved on who's lobbying the most. Right. <laughs> because I mean, every, everybody would be free to get that certain percentage if, right. uh, <clears throat> for each, yeah. each, whoever will be in the ballgame. Right. Anybody can make refrigerators or anything you want, and you'll get whatever market you're in, you'll get that same percentage as all of your competitors. I really believe we, we do things to keep jobs here and keep everything on a level playing field. We're not talking about... Uh, uh, putting up barriers from other countries. You're just saying, let's make sure the jobs are here in America where we're making things. Is that right? Hey, Ed, I sure appreciate your time here on your program. Well, thank you for your time, and we'll uh, we'll have to have you back again another time. Thank you, John, so much. Yeah, thank you, sir. All right. Aren't you glad you tuned in tonight? Aren't you glad you tuned in to hear John Westberg? I'm telling you, that there is a gut feeling that where are the jobs? What do we make in America anymore? And I don't know if John's total idea could ever come into being, but I know that he's worked through this. Go to his website. Check it out, uh, just like he told you. And and uh, talk to your politicians. To, uh, talk to your congressman, your senator. And the conservatives need to get a hold of this and, and not let it be something that would... Uh, run into the other party. I'm telling you that keeping jobs in America can be done without tariffs, without trying to uh, keep free trade from happening because, just like he said, that's what Japan has done. And that's how they built back after World War II. If, if you import something, you must make it. And that's what's helped other countries. And we've been giving away, giving away, giving away our jobs this is something I believe conservatives can get a hold of, that we can recreate a manufacturing bonanza 
right here in America and get these economic engines going. He had a great concept. We hear about where are the jobs? I've said it. Where are the jobs? Where are the jobs? Well, he's, like he said, we're asking the wrong question. Where are the orders? If you if you get the orders, you're gonna get the jobs. If you're not getting orders, you're gonna get layoffs. We've obviously obviously seen the layoffs, and uh, this administration, uh, leadership in Congress has no clue. They just thought they could throw eight hundred billion dollars in the wind and all of a sudden create a bunch of jobs. Unbelievable. We've lost the money. Uh, maybe got a few jobs here or there. It's not working. And I'm telling you, we need to be looking at some ideas like John Westberg just told us. And we've had a great show. And we're going to end up with the Plymouth Rock of Liberty speech. And here we go. I want to, And I mentioned in my book, Walk With Me, that God is using President Obama and the far-left wing agenda like a plowshare to see if patriots across America will wake up to bring out the Minutemen once more. And we are waking up. And we're taking names. You can see it when it comes November 2nd. The Tea Party movement is doing this because we are tired of being left behind. We are we the people. And the far left radicals that are in control today in 2010, uh, we're just saying enough is enough. Many of those captives who are mesmerized by the far left saying, yes, we can. Well, you know what? You didn't. All the people are out there yelling, yes, we can. Yes, we can. Well, where'd they go? Where did they go? Because they didn't do it. And the Pied Pipers, who have just told everybody the pasture is going to be greener on the other side, well, I tell you what, the people are being set free. These people, they locked into the liberal ideals. The Tea Party movement is growing and being effective and they're at, they are going out, and these disillusioned liberals are joining ranks. We're feeding them with conservative ideas, and we're saying, come on, join this group of band of patriots that are saving America, saving constitutional ideas, and we're going to get America back on the right track, and we're going to be going in the right direction. So come join us. And we have to recognize that this Tea Party movement is something that the America is going to see grow, and all these talks of racism and all these things that they try to put on the Tea Party movement. Yes, we may have a nutball. Get them out of there. But millions and millions are standing up for freedom. And that's what this Tea Party movement is all about. And I believe it's our duty to sniff out the imposters, to get get the imposters out of the Tea Party movement. And not only that, get the imposters that have been elected to Congress all these past years, get the imposters out of Congress. That's what we're trying to do. Now, the Tea Party movement reminds me of the time when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a coat. You remember how the people threw down their coats and placed palm branches to honor Jesus? The people were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed be the Son of David! But the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the members of the Sanhedrin who were the local political power brokers in cahoots with the Roman authority, they ran to Jesus and they demanded that he stop these people, tell them to hush and be quiet because these political leaders did not want the Roman government questioning their ability to control the people. Does that sound familiar? 
The leaders were concerned for their own selfish interests and positions of power. But Jesus looked them boldly in the eye and declared, If these people do not shout out in praise, then these very stones will cry out. And so it is in the Tea Party movement today. As conservatives and freedom lovers cry out against tyranny, the liberal far-left Democrats make fun of us. They ridicule us. They call us teabaggers and want us to just go away. Even some of the power brokers in the Republican Party want us to simmer down, to water down our enthusiasm for freedom so that we will not upset their, quote, control of the Republican primaries. Well, it's too late for that, buddies. And I'm, I want to tell them all, as a Tea Party patriot, I want to simply say, if we don't stand up and fight for freedom, if we don't make our voices heard loud and clear, if we don't answer the call for liberty, then the very stones in the graveyards of the patriots will rise up and cry out because America was founded on freedom. America was ordained for liberty. Freedom always has a contagious momentum from the pilgrim's pride to every mountainside. We hear freedom ring from the Puritan's call for righteousness to the founding father's declaration of our God-given inalienable rights. We have freedom flowing through our veins. If we don't cry out for freedom, the very blood of the patriots in the ground we walk upon will cry out for liberty and justice for all. And that's why I'm in this Tea Party movement. Thank you for coming to listen to Doc Holliday's Tea Party. We will see you next week. God bless you and God bless America. Thanks for joining us today, and remember to listen again next week for another edition of Doc Holliday's Tea Party. You can order Ed's book, Walk With Me, A Patriot's Guide from the Boston Tea Party to Today's Tea Party Revolution, by clicking on the book cover right in front of you on the screen. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.